Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Pharmacist podcast series by ISMP Canada. This is a bi-monthly series looking into the topic of medication safety for pharmacy practice and how to incorporate safe medication practices at your site. My name is Jim, and today I have a colleague joining us, Adrian Boucher. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. Great to have you, Adrian. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the topic we're covering today? Sure. So I'm a medication safety analyst with ISMP Canada, as well as a community pharmacist. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about the impact of medical errors, but from a slightly different perspective. So usually when an error occurs in any healthcare setting, the focus is on supporting the patient and their family. That makes sense. But sometimes we forget that errors can have an impact on practitioners and their ability to work. These practitioners are known in the literature as second victims, and today we're going to be looking at how they cope after an incident and what can be done to support them. Okay, so I haven't heard a lot about this subject, Adrian. How did you actually get involved with it? So like most healthcare practitioners, uh, I've been involved in errors. I remember on at least one occasion in the past year, a patient coming back to the pharmacy after I dispensed a prescription and informing me that they had received the wrong medication. Although the patient was quite understanding, I still remember feeling guilt and shame. As a new pharmacist, I felt incompetent and had lost a lot of the confidence in myself. I was also frustrated because there was very little support from management and my colleagues following the event. Uh, So this prompted me to investigate the concept of the second victim and to see if there are opportunities to improve how we support healthcare professionals. This eventually resulted in me working on a project related to second victims with ISMP Canada. Yeah, making a mistake in pharmacy can be a very scary, stressful, and sometimes isolating event for a pharmacist. Outside of pharmacy, I imagine other practitioners probably feel the same way. Now, you mentioned that most healthcare practitioners have been involved in errors. So can you elaborate on that? For sure. So first, I think it's important to mention that most of the studies related to second victims are performed in hospitals and focus largely on physicians and nurses. Unfortunately, there isn't a lot about pharmacists, but the results can, from these other previous studies can be extrapolated to most healthcare professionals. So to get a potential idea of the scope of the problem, we can look at adverse events rates reported in the literature. So in Canada, it's known that one in every 18 patients admitted to a hospital will suffer a preventable adverse event that leads to either a longer hospital stay, disability, or death. Uh, a relatively recent study in the U.S. found that medical errors may be the third leading cause of death, Uh, just behind heart disease and cancer. Um, Surveys of practitioners also reveal how common incidents are. For example, a survey of medical residents in the U.S. found that 15% reported being involved in a medical error in the past three months. Another survey also found that 53% of physicians had reportedly experienced a serious adverse event in the past year. With respect to community pharmacy, Uh, There's been numerous observational studies that found that dispensing errors occur with roughly 1-2% to of prescriptions. So we know that these types of incidents are relatively common, and with each one, there's potential for practitioners involved to be second victims. Now, I can imagine these are just the errors that were caught and reported. There's probably even more that might have went to the patient or some that were just undiscovered. For sure. So... What exactly is the definition of second victims and what do they experience? So a second victim is a healthcare provider involved in an unanticipated adverse event, either a medical error or some kind of patient-related injury. And those healthcare practitioners become victimized in the sense that he or she is traumatized by the event. Frequently, second victims feel personally responsible for an unexpected patient outcome 
and feel as though they've failed their patient. Um, this can result in them second-guessing their clinical skills and their knowledge base. Second victims will often experience symptoms that are similar to PTSD, including extreme sadness, difficulty concentrating, uh, intrusive memories, sleep disturbances, uh, and, and avoiding these similar types of patient care. This can result in increased absenteeism and also a reduced ability to perform when they are at work. Second victims generally show improvement within a month, uh, but in some cases they can be affected for years. Okay, so just for clarification, this definition that you just provided, combined with the stats from earlier, it almost makes it seem as if every practitioner involved in an error would be considered as a second victim. Is that true? Uh, that's not quite the case. Uh, so not everyone that experiences an event will display symptoms of a second victim, although up to 50% of practitioners will experience second victim at some point in their career. So it's quite high. The risk of being a second victim can be influenced by a number of factors. Uh, for example, incidents associated with harm or death, we know those are more likely to result in second victim syndrome. Uh, but it can even happen after things like near misses. Other factors include a patient that connected the clinician to his or her own family, such as a patient with the same name, age, or physical characteristics as a clinician's loved one, uh, the length of a relationship between a patient and a clinician, and cases that involved pediatric patients can also influence the severity of the second victim syndrome. Certain aspects of healthcare organizations' environment, such as the safety culture, may also contribute to or protect against second victim-related trauma. Well, I, I didn't really realize how prevalent this is. I do actually remember reading one of ISMP's safety bulletins that actually discussed a pharmacist that accidentally withheld a patient's anticoagulant therapy. And I think what happened was the patient actually ended up developing a thrombus, which eventually contributed to her death. And the pharmacist described experiencing extreme guilt and shame for a really long time after. Exactly. So that safety bulletin goes through what that pharmacist experienced and how they coped after that event. Um, and that pharmacist experience is very similar to what is experienced by other healthcare practitioners. It's certainly worth the read, and it gives a little bit of insight into the pharmacist's perspective, uh, which we can't find a lot of in the literature. So clearly, it's really hard for practitioners to recover from these type of events. Yeah, coping can be extremely difficult. Healthcare practitioners rarely discuss mistakes with their colleagues. Uh, bringing attention to, to mistakes feels like you're highlighting your own incompetence. So oftentimes, practitioners feel that their peers have somehow managed to survive these events and turn up to work each day, so they'll try to do the same. This amplifies a sense of isolation. For example, a pharmacist may assume that other pharmacists have navigated their mistakes just fine and that uh, he or she is the only one who has trouble focusing on patients in the aftermath. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like making mistakes in healthcare comes with a certain level of taboo, and I rarely see people talking about it openly. Yeah, it's just something that doesn't happen. Uh, and going ahead with reducing the stigma surrounding these events would go a long way to help improving recovery with practitioners. So what are some of the ways that a practitioner can cope after an event? So individual clinicians will have unique supporting needs, but they'll generally go through the same process for recovery. There are a few interventions that have been shown to improve this healing process. Uh, one is simply discussing the incidents with peers and colleagues, especially those who have previously suffered as a second victim. This can be a powerful support mechanism and help reduce feelings of isolations that many people experience. Another way is for practitioners to participate in the review of the incident 
to help address identified system issues and build action plans to prevent future incidents. Inclusion in these blame-free discussion helps promote clinician healing and recovery from the second victim experience. Uh, finally, practitioners can also participate in disclosure. A lot of times, practitioners are surprised that patients and families can be forgiving when an error is disclosed in a caring uh, fashion uh, with a sincere apology. So in this case, it sounds like the practitioner would be comfortable discussing this with their colleague. So if a practitioner is not comfortable discussing this, are there any sort of formal support systems from an organization or other tools that may be available for them? So there may be some organizational resources available, for example, through an employee assistance program. Uh, a few organizations have started offering resources specifically for second victims. However, this is quite rare. Uh, for example, the University of Missouri Health System has developed a program called For You. Uh, as well, John Hopkins Hospital has a program called Resilience in Stressful Events, or RISE. Basically, what these are are round-the-clock, anonymous, peer-to-peer -peer support hotlines for providers dealing with traumatic events. Um, Canadian hospitals have not picked up on this as much. There's some peer support programs in place, uh, for example, at Michael Guerin Hospital and at SickKids. Uh, in community pharmacy, unfortunately, I'm not aware of any programs, uh, and this is certainly an underserved area with respect to second victims. Yeah, that's very unfortunate for community practice. Is there a specific reason why we don't see or hear more of these programs in the Canadian healthcare landscape? Yeah, so it's largely a cultural problem. Uh, practitioners are afraid to admit mistakes they've made, so not a lot of people are asking for these programs. Organizations may also not see the value, and there are concerns that they could increase providers' liabilities in malpractice suits. Uh, in addition, there's been a few patient advocacy groups that have pushed back against these programs. Uh, they argue that practitioners committing harm shouldn't get these kinds of resources. Uh, there's also a number of barriers when these programs are in place. Uh, for example, uh, a practitioner may not use the program if they fear uh, loss of professional respect or loss of income. They may also feel that there's a perception that using the program indicates weakness or that uh, they don't feel like there's confidentiality or there's um, issues with confidentiality surrounding the services offers, offered. So that's why it's important for organizations to create a culture of safety uh, to support these practitioners when they do seek help. Uh, we know that a perceived low level of organizational support has been linked to negative second victim outcomes, such as ongoing emotional distress, intentional intention to leave employment and absenteeism, whereas a strong peer support has been a major factor in avoidance of these negative outcomes. Uh, a supportive and fair culture facilitates discussion and sharing, uh, reporting of incidents and near misses, and creates opportunities for learning. Okay, so given these barriers or challenges in developing these type of systems, what do you think we can expect in the future, uh, in particular with pharmacy? So hopefully we see more discussion in general about these types of events, particularly in pharmacy. Uh, the goal is to normalize medication incidents in a way. Uh, so that practitioners feel comfortable talking about what they've experienced as well as supporting their own colleagues. Um, asking about formal programs or advocating for formal programs through organizations is also something that should be promoted. At ISMP Canada, we're looking at the concept of using a mobile application to provide a platform where healthcare practitioners can anonymous, anonymously share their experiences and receive support from their colleagues. 
This would allow practitioners to share their stories and discuss incidents independent of a healthcare organization. Um, so users would be able to browse and learn from incidents, uh, potentially preventing future recurrence. And so hopefully this app would help improve the culture surrounding these incidents and increase the accessibility to support for these second victims. I've actually used the app demo, which was fantastic, sort of like social media for medication safety. So I'm looking forward to seeing the full product, Adrian. So we've discussed a lot so far in today's episode. Do you have any key messages for our listeners? So I think it's easy for the public to write off a practitioner's anguish as insignificant next to that of the patient and the families. Some people might even be thinking that a practitioner deserves how they feel because they made a mistake. The thing is, is that practitioners don't just stop after an incident occurs. They have to keep seeing patients. If they don't regain confidence in their skills, other patients can suffer in the future. We have to recognize that healthcare practitioners are human beings, so they cannot be expected to be perfect all the time. Even the best practitioners make mistakes. So it's important that not only do we learn to prevent all errors in the future, but also support clinicians when they inevitably do make mistakes. Providing time and access to support systems and creating a strong safety culture within our organizations can help these practitioners heal. I think this is a really interesting topic, and I'm curious to see how this moves forward. Thank you, Adrian, for sharing your project with us and being here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, I hope we can all take something away that we can apply in our own practice, and hopefully we can improve how we support second victims in the future. I hope this has been an informative and engaging session. In our next episode, we'll discuss student-associated medication errors.